Hello everyone, welcome to Setters in Sports, where we'll speak to Pace alumni who now work in the sports media industry. I'm Sequoia Cumming, and today I'll be speaking to Michelle West, two-time Emmy Award winner and associate producer of the Olympic Channel at NBC Universal since 2018. Welcome, Michelle. My typical workday varies significantly, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about some of the roles that I have within NBC Sports. So even though I'm an associate producer, sometimes I'm in the edit producing and editing video. Um, a lot of times I'm in the control room, either assistant directing or producing. I could be in the tape room um, doing tape traffic and, and things like that. So my role uh, varies quite a bit depending on what projects I'm working on. Um, so I just came off of the Paralympics where I was in edit producing and, and editing video for uh, features and things like that that were airing during the Paralympic coverage. Uh, but during the Olympics, I was working on diving and I was uh, producing and, and field producing talent that was on site and clipping camera angles from the truck back in Tokyo. Uh, so we had options to cut into the taped broadcast and and pitching story ideas and things like that, graphic ideas or video elements that aired uh, in our diving coverage. So that just shows you between Olympics and Paralympics that my role kind of um, can vary depending on what the production needs are and, and what they needed me to do. Right, so the Olympics are probably the most exciting part of your job, if I'm correct in saying that. Do you mostly cover diving? Is that like the sport that you focus on? So I'm, primarily now uh, under the Olympic Channel umbrella of NBC Sports. And so that's Olympic sports all year round, essentially. Okay. Um, and a lot of what I've done, the last Olympics, this Olympics, I've worked on mostly diving. So this last year in May, I produced the World Cup qualifier for remaining spots. Uh, teams could put could clinch for their their host country so i produced that broadcast which aired on the olympic channel and then in june i was out at diving trials in indianapolis and i was working in the tape truck calling replays producing highlights and things like that uh, i did sit down interviews with all of the divers and field produce those and and eng and things like that to send back to our feature producer at home during the olympics in july august i was helping produce our diving coverage underneath our coordinating producer and work alongside him and help talent and make formats for our broadcast and things like that for him. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of people helping you out with your role. Sometimes I'd say it really depends on what project I'm working on. Olympic Channel tends to be sometimes smaller budget, less people. So I'm doing three roles. Like during the week, I could be producing and cutting elements uh, in the edit, like features or, or highlights or flashbacks and things like that, that will air in the broadcast over the weekend. So mm -hmm. I'll be in, uh, responsible for gathering all those elements that, were, that will air in the broadcast. And then during the show, I'm assistant directing and that's essentially keeping counts of, of everything in the show, making sure the show's on time, scheduled to, to go up on time, go off on time if it's not communicating with master control to tell them if your sport or your event is going to be heavy or light communicating all of the commercial breaks so i'm counting in and out of commercial breaks and i'm also doing tape traffic as well through the control room and that's just because we have a smaller budget less people normally on a 
bigger sport or a bigger event, you'd have somebody doing each one of those roles. Sometimes you have somebody that's strictly counting all of the elements and somebody else that's formatting the show and controlling the commercial breaks, which would be essentially two assistant directors. Mm -hmm. So it really, uh, it really depends on what sport you're you're on, what department you're in, and and probably what network you're at. It might vary whether you're at ESPN or NBC or in news. So what's it like trying to coordinate all of these schedules? Well, you know, you're covering sports that are happening in Japan, but you're broadcasting onto an American audience. Uh, exactly. So <laughs> a lot of people, you know, ask me, how was Tokyo? How was it like, what was it like over there? And I actually was not over there. Um, the beauty and the curse of being able to produce and cover a sport from anywhere is that, you know, you can do it from the main headquarters, but you don't always get the chance to be in country and, and explore and get that, you know, on-site opportunity. And I've had the privilege to be able to do both. But like you said, if it's an event in Japan, you know, I have to be in during that time, you know, whether it's the middle of the night or not. So a lot of my hours were overnight and that's a, a big adjustment. And during the winter season, I mostly cover alpine skiing mm -hmm. and all of those races or most of them are, are in Europe. So if the race is at, you know, 8 a.m. In, in Europe, then I have to be in in the middle of the night to account for that, um, especially if there's a run one coverage, I have to be in even earlier than that for when run one is going on. So I read that uh, your first experience working with NBC Universal is actually as a news production intern. So I'm assuming that this experience is a lot more different for you and a lot more escalated than it was as an intern, but could you find any sort of similarities in these two perspectives? So I started at NBC as an intern back in 2010 when I was an undergrad at Pace and that mm -hmm. was in news and I realized that I did not want to go into news. It was something that, you know, I wasn't really, I thought I was interested in and I really wasn't interested in. I loved writing. I, I worked for uh, formerly the paw print then it turned the Chronicle and I really enjoyed more of like the feature type of stories. And I realized that that was the avenue that I really wanted to go into. And then I did an internship in uh, at CNN in the documentary uh, unit with CNN Heroes. And I absolutely love that. And I feel like sports is kind of given me a combination of both of them. I get the chaos of live, a live event coverage and things like that, which can be very hectic and chaotic when you're trying to react to a live event. But I'm also able to focus on the stories and it's a little bit less, I don't know if depressing is the, the right word, but when you're working in news every single day, it can be very overwhelming. It, it can be very daunting. And sports has given, you know, it gives a lot of people hope. It's, you know, a fun thing, hopefully, for people to watch and enjoy. And for some, it's it's their life. And there's a lot of people in sports that have a lot of great stories, especially, I mean, when you cover the Paralympics, it's like, oh my God, the things that people have been through and um, there's just, their stories are, you know, awe-inspiring, but um, yeah, very, very different being in news than it is being in sports television, but there's things that you learn in news that are very important and applicable to to sports. I mean, researching and, and getting the facts right and things like that are, are important across the board, no matter what avenue of 
of media that you're you're going into but i think being able to intern in different areas of the business is important because an internship can tell you that what you don't want to do and that's just as important as knowing what you want to do right. you don't want to spend your entire career at pace thinking you want to do something and wait till you go out and get a job and you're like oh my god i absolutely hate it so my advice is intern as much as possible and get a wide variety of experiences and and figure out what it is you want to do or, or don't want to do and you really only get to figure that out once you're in the real world Right. I mean, in regards of all of the moments that we see sports journalism have, um, just this summer alone with the Olympics, we saw Simone Biles and Shakari Richardson kind of blow up in a PR standpoint. I mean, how does that affect your job? Well, my job personally, um, I was in on gymnastics or right. track and field, but you definitely felt it in the company. You know, Simone Biles is a star that we've built up for the last five years. And I think it's really tough when you build up a character so much and you're, I think in a lot of ways, relying on that character to, to perform well, because you want people to watch and you want people to tune in. And in the end that draws money to your broadcast. And, and as much as it is a, for the love of the sport, there's also, you know, a monetary aspect to a lot of it. And with the pandemic hitting and things like that, it did, it did, you know, affect ratings and it does affect money and things like that. But I think um, you just have to pivot, you know, if, if something like that happens, you have to be able to focus on the next person up. And I think people like, you know, Jade Carey and Suni Lee are just as important characters. And at the end of the day, Simone Biles is only going to compete for so long, just like Michael Phelps. We knew after 2016 Rio, Michael Phelps wasn't going to be the number one star anymore. He wasn't going to be the focus. So you have to find other people that you can focus on and build up their stories and build up them as characters so that you can give people a reason to watch. And I think that's what NBC did with Caleb Dressel. That makes sense. It's sort of like balancing the good TV, but also with the personal narratives of the athletes. Yeah. Um, so you guys are already looking towards the next Olympics. Yes, it's been um, a little bit different than most years, I'd say. By now, I would have my uh, next Olympic assignment. But with back-to-back -back, uh, Tokyo to Beijing, I don't even have my, Olymp my next Olympic assignment yet, which is a little mm -hmm. bit unusual. But I think they're trying to figure out this giant puzzle piece of we have a Super Bowl and a, a, an Olympics in the same season. And the Super Bowl is two weeks into the Olympics. And because we're in the middle of a pandemic still, and China has a lot of protocols and regulations and quarantine uh, rules and restrictions, there's a giant puzzle piece to figure out, all right, who's going to work on the Super Bowl? Who's going to work on the Olympics? Back in 2018, we had a charter that flew Mike Tirico and all of the Sunday night football team from the, from the Super Bowl out to um, 
South Korea. And that's just not going to be the case this year. So I think that they're trying to figure out that puzzle piece and and who needs to work on the Super Bowl and then who gets to work on Beijing. So un- unfortunately, right now, there's there's not a lot of news on the um, Beijing front for me. Uh, it's kind of that can that's been kicked down the road a little bit. And, and we'll see hopefully in the next, you know, hopefully next few weeks and, and month, we'll start finding out more about it. But I'm assuming it's going to be even less people on location than in Tokyo, actually. Wow. That's wild. So I, I know the pandemic, you've mentioned already that it's affected travel. Has it affected you or your work in any other way? Um, it did. It kind of shook us all up as a company um, mm-hmm. in the last year or so. Uh, we didn't have any sports at all for the first, you know, four months or so. We we weren't really doing or covering much of anything. They were trying mm-hmm. to utilize Peacock as a, as a sh- platform to have some studio shows and things like that. Um, but it was really quiet for the first few months and, and worried a, a lot of people, you know, not having, going from, you know, 60 to zero was just very, very strange. And, you know, unfortunately we had, and not just NBC sports, but a lot of other companies had some pretty big layoffs last summer and it was scary. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful I was not a part of that, but it's, it affected a lot of people and, you know, we're, we're operating with a lot less people than, than we ever have. Um, but you just got to keep, you know, moving forward. Um, when sports started coming back, we were able to work from home for when we could work from home. So like I have a, an editing system at home right now that I'm able to edit and prep stuff from home if I want to. Um, but then when it comes to being on a live show, then I go in the building and I work in the studio and, you know, they're separating people and you're wearing masks and things like that. But for the most part, it's, you know, business as usual. Right. Well, that's good. At least things are starting to get back to normal for yeah. everyone. But they've scaled back a lot too. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're learning that they can do more from back in in the studios, and they've brought back people that used to go out on the road a lot for Sunday night football are working mm-hmm. from back in the building. They did the same thing when we had hockey. A lot of people that they thought needed to be on the road are actually, they don't need to be on the road. They can be back in the studio. Right. So like I said, it's a positive and negative. Some people look at it and they're like, I get to be home with my family more. I'm not out on the road every single week for four or five days on the road. Um, but some people that like being on the road and getting that experience of a, being in a, a different city every week or on location in the country, it's just the changing la- landscape of sports. I mean, I was lucky enough in 2016 to travel for an entire month for the Tour de France and, and be in, in France for an entire month. And unfortunately, that's just not the case anymore. I mean, I think um, the company saved quite a bit of money by having the production from back at home and learning that, you know, because of COVID and being forced to bring people back home and not have them in country, they realized, hey, we could do this for a lot cheaper and and have it be a lot more inexpensive to do so. So I think you're going to see that a lot more across the board 
and not just at NBC, but at a lot of other companies, they just, they realize they can do a lot more from back home. Right. So I saw that you actually won two Emmys for your work in Sochi. Um, so let's talk about that experience. I have no idea clearly what it's like to win an Emmy. That must have been such an amazing experience for you. Um, it was, and I think at the time I didn't realize how big of a deal it was. I, I worked in the digital department um, back in Sochi and that was the first Olympics that I know that they had such a large at-home effort and tried to produce so much across the board, all of digital um, highlights and things like that. We had a massive, they call it the highlights factory and just churning out content left and right. How you're able to, the nice thing about digital is you're able to air whatever you want. There is no limitation. And unfortunately with linear, you know, television, you have a time frame. Your show has to be within a one hour window or within a two hour window. And you still have to cover the live event. And so, and you, within there, you have to fit in X many commercials. So that really limits you in what stories that sometimes you're able to tell on digital, you could put whatever you want out there. You could tell as many stories on athletes and you don't have a time restriction. This piece has to be two and a half minutes. This piece can't be more than 90 seconds. You can make it as long as you want and you could put as much stuff as you want and try things and see if they work and see if they get views on YouTube. Um, and if they don't, they don't, there's no harm, no foul. So, uh, I worked in the edit and I was cutting features on athletes during Sochi and I had a, a really great time and the whole digital department ended up winning two Emmys and I was on that um, list of people and I've been at NBC now for going on nine years and those are the only two Emmys I've I've won. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you win an Emmy you don't know when or if you're ever going to get another one and I was just lucky enough that we won in two categories that year. And that was early, early on in my career at NBC. And um, yeah, it's, it's a very special thing because I mean, some people have a million of them, depends on what projects you're working on. Sometimes it's, it's the luck of the production you land on the, I shouldn't say that because it's, it's a lot of hard work goes into it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the higher the budget show or the higher the budget project usually gets a lot of attention right um and sunday night football wins emmys every year but um if you're not on big projects sometimes or depending on what category it gets nominated for i mean there's a million people that work on the olympics but depending on what uh category gets nominated or want wins you know you might not win an emmy so i'm i'm grateful that you know i do have two emmys and um it's a it's a special thing Right. Well, congratulations. <laughs> um, so what was your favorite thing that you've created um, while being at NBC? That's a tough one. Um, I think for me, it's one of the most more emotional things I've probably covered is um, just because I've worked on alpine skiing the last few seasons um, and I've become very close to Michaela Schifrin's storyline. She's uh, an Olympic gold medalist. And 
her father passed away a couple seasons ago and it was a very obviously uh it was a sudden thing and a very emotional thing for her and i've caught a couple pieces um on that story that have uh shed a lot of tears for people and um that's probably one of the prouder pieces that i've worked on is telling her story and i've i've cut a piece on when her father first passed away and then last year i kind of did like a comeback piece on her moving forward and and beyond kind of the hardships that she's she's dealt and looking forward and and so those are two pieces that that i'm proud of and probably this past spring producing World Cup for Diving, I'm very, very proud of because that was the first production that I produced completely on my own. I've had the opportunity to produce some Alpine races, but under the supervision of my manager and a lot of times there's questions in the back of your head and you're, you're second guessing yourself. And um, my boss is telling me like, maybe you should do this or maybe you should do that. Or what do you think? And sometimes you get lost because you're second guessing yourself or you're constantly looking for affirmation on things. But that was the first event that I produced completely on my own where I was in charge of talent. I was in charge of an entire crew and I had to make the decisions. And if something changed in the moment and look, the timing from the world feed wasn't accurate. And what do we do? We have to go to break or there's something that went wrong that, you know, or we need to fill more time on the back end. What do we need to do? And you're kind of forced into situations where you have to make decisions on the fly. And I think live producing is something that I was always hesitant of, of doing because when you, Hey, when you're in the edit, you have a time, you have time to breathe and you have a time to sit back and, and make decisions and second guess them, make a change, see how it looks, see how it sounds. You go back and you say, now nah, it was better the way it was before. When you're doing live television, you got to make decisions on the fly. Otherwise it can quickly snowball out of control. So mm. another um, thing that I was, I was proud that I was able to, to produce on my own. Did you find that it was hard to kind of teach yourself to trust your gut when you're in those kind of situations? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's, there's times in my career where I, I have doubted myself quite a bit and it's easy to do when you're young and you're making mistakes. And I think early on when I was learning how to do on-air graphics, on-air graphics are tough. And I wouldn't say that I was the best person at it. I mean, but graphics are the first thing that somebody notices, right? That's the first thing that you read on the screen. And if you have a stat that's wrong, if you spell something wrong, it's the first thing that's going to be, to be noticed. And if you don't change a topic bar when you should to follow the topic of conversation, things like that. It, it can be very stressful and overwhelming is the first thing that you're doing when you're working in the live, a live control room. And that's usually the first gig that you get when you're working in live production in a control room is graphics. That's like the entry level position. Mm -hmm. And it can be very scary. And I think I, early on in my career, from mistakes that I made and just being anxious and nervous and being in the line of fire, I doubted that I would ever want to be back in the control room. I kind of sat back and was like, you know what? I like the edit. That's where I belong. That's what I need to be doing. And when I moved over to the Olympic channel three years ago, I was forced to be back in the control room again. They're like, no, we need you to assistant direct. You're going to have to produce at times. And I was very nervous to do it because I had 
a doubt in the back of my mind of whether I was capable of doing it or handling the pressure and the stress of it all. And in three years time, I'm, I'm very proud of what I've been able to do and I'm not perfect by any means, but I think I've been able to manage the, the stress and the, and the pressure of it um, better than I thought I ever would have. That's so cool. Um, well, thank you so much for speaking with me. I don't have any more questions. I don't know if you have anything else that you want to add. Um, I would just say be open to anything. Like if, for, mm -hmm. if I'm giving advice to any students, I never thought I was going to be in sports, to be honest with you. I thought I was going to be in news, didn't like news, went into documentaries, loved it. And just so happened to fall into sports through uh, a Pace alum that got me my first full-time gig in television. And I absolutely love it. I love working on the Olympics. I love working in sports. And it's it's very rewarding, um, very time-consuming, a lot of hard work. Um, it takes a while to move up. Um, but I've traveled all over the world. I've had some of the best experiences made lifelong friends working at NBC and it's been very rewarding. You just got to trust the process and be open to anything. Don't count anything out. Like I said, I never wanted to be bit, to be back in the control room again. Mm -hmm. And I produced my first event this, this spring. So. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. It was so nice meeting you. It was nice meeting you too. Alrighty, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's episode of MCVA's newest podcast, Setters in Sports. I'm Sequoia Cumming, and tune in to hear more of our alumni stories. The music for this podcast is Welcome to the Show by Kevin McLeod, available under the filmmusic.io standard license. Setters in Sports is a project of MCVA Sports. More information at boothreview.blogs.pace.edu. Go Setters!